0: Good morning, everyone. I hope um, that you're all having a wonderful morning so far. Um, I'd also just like to, before I start, um, acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land upon which we're meeting, the Wajak people of the Noongar Nation, and pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging, because it's really, it's on this land that we're able to come together to study and to learn as scholars. Um, And I'm grateful for the opportunity this morning to hear from our speakers and from their insights, their lessons learned um, during their time as scholars. So, I might just ask if everyone can please introduce themselves, um, what you used to study and what you're currently doing for work or study.
1: Sure. Hi everyone, I'm Simon from Geraldton. I, <laughs> I studied BPhil in Psychology and now I'm doing Masters of Organisational Psychology uh, while working at Deloitte in Consulting.
2: Hi everyone, I'm Tom, I studied Economics
3: and Law and I'm working at Cullen Macleod Lawyers as a Law graduate. I am James. I studied mechanical engineering through the BFIL program and I'm off to the US to do space systems engineering at MIT.
4: My name is Georgie Carey. I studied marketing and management um, here at UWA and now I am a counsellor at the town of Mosman Park.
5: I'm Jasmine. I did um, economics and finance, then medicine, and then a Master's in Public Health at UWA and I'm a junior doctor at King Eddie's.
6: Um, hi everyone, I'm Anish, um, I did the b Full majoring in Politics, Economics and French at UWA, um, and then went into teaching through Teach for Australia and now teach at Perth London School.
0: Wonderful, I'm so excited. That <laughs> <laughs> um, so, to begin our discussion this morning, I'd actually like to hear all of your thoughts on a theme that's quite central to being a Fogarty Scholar or a Winthrop Scholar, and that's leadership. So. What does leadership mean to you and how has the scholarship program enabled you to become a leader or shaped your experience of leadership?
6: So
1: I used to think leadership was about a title, a role, kind of an elected position and probably a lot of us in the room might have held that as school captain. I was (laughs) a terrible one and I have reflected in the 10 years since that leadership is actually about behaving in a way that you want other people around you to behave. And that's the ripple effect. Um, As humans, we copy everyone else. We copy others to be safe. We're all doing this right now on this panel. We copy each other to feel included. We copy each other because it's mentally taxing to, now I've made you all self-conscious, so it's taxing to think all the time about what to do. So now leadership is, for me, um, how do I act? and imagining if those around me acted in that way and those around them, hashtag ripple, there we go, um, what would that create in the world? And um, that mindset, whether i a got a title next to me or I'm new in the workplace and role modeling, how to leave on time, working on it. <laughs> I
2: think going through high school, my idea of a leader was, again, that idea of a title. So I thought, okay, being the prime minister is a leader, so I'm gonna to aim to be the prime minister. Then I got to uni, I thought, that's definitely not going to happen. I'll just aim to be the Rhodes Scholar instead if <laughs> that did not happen. And I think going through that process made me realise it isn't about the title that you achieve, but it's actually about helping others. So I think looking at my own family model, my parents are leaders in what they do in the community, and it's never for a scholarship, it's never for a title, it's something as simple as helping someone at their local church or mum looking out for a particular student at her school – That, to me, is leadership, and that's the kind of leadership that makes the community work and makes the world go round. So I think that, for me, is a lesson I've learnt, is that it's
3: helping others. That's leadership. For me, my experience has been... So at the university, I helped create the Uteberry Aerospace uh, Group, which is like an engineering team. We uh, build and design and launch rockets. And uh, when I went to university, there was no club that did rocketry. I went here and I was like, oh, dear, I can't do this rocket science stuff that I've always wanted to do. So being a leader was finding there's a problem and then having the confidence, which has been supported by the foundation, the confidence to go out and solve that problem by creating my own thing and by bringing a group of people around me to do that. So for me, leadership is just finding problems and actually having the confidence to go solve them.
4: Awesome, I really like that. I think another important part of this leadership conversation is, um, and my kind of philosophy with leadership is, it's people that start before they're ready and they take action on things that they care about before they feel like you know they're ready to be that. So I, I suppose like the other panelists, I had a you know an idea about leadership being this title, and you know now I have one of those more traditional titles. I'm you know an elected member, but there are other you know elected officials who I wouldn't consider leaders, um, even though they have that title. It's um, I think especially as young people, um, as young leaders, you, there's not a certain point a time where you go, you know, yep, I'm a leader, tick the box, I'm a leader. It's, it's kind of stepping into that role and choosing for yourself um, that you're going to be a leader. So that's kind of the important thing for me. It has to be a choice and then, you know, following it up with, with action.
5: Yeah, I think following from Georgie's point, how the um, Fogarty kind of Foundation helped with me in leadership was in high school... As a teenager, you think of leaders as a very foreign concept. You might be a leader in kind of 30, 40 years. You're not certainly a leader now. You look up to leaders. And then for me, when I found out that I had the scholarship, it was a really change it's really a change in mindset. I was like, oh, someone recognises that I might have skills to be a leader. Hmm." And it just changed the way I approached things. I saw myself as someone that could kind of play in that arena, and I had much more confidence and enthusiasm to seek out opportunity is to see oh actually like you need like maybe we should start this club or I really want to do this I have the confidence to bring other people along with me so to me leadership as already touched on is about community and about other people and uniting people together to achieve kind of a common goal getting them motivated as motivated as you are because you can be really motivated to do something but no one else around you could be and you can't make an impact like that so it's to just bringing people together and getting them excited and motivated to work, work towards something
6: great i'm going to try to find something <laughs> that <in>. um, so <laughs> a very comprehensive overview i think that the kind of main bit of reflection i would offer is that um and this is similar to what james suggested like actually consistent across the board is i think leadership is kind of forging your own path if you feel like there isn't a path that you want to follow um, and then being the best version of yourself to motivate other people to be the best version of themselves, and I think that's a really powerful way to, like, motivate people. Because leadership isn't just kind of pushing people along a certain path that you want you want them to go down, but it's about drawing them in um, into you as a person and modeling that behavior. I think is a really powerful way mm. um, to get there.
0: Yeah, that's really beautiful. You guys have all kind of spoken about how multifaceted leadership is, and I think what's really beautiful also is how it's your your perception of leadership has really evolved. From when you were at school, and just on the note of school as well, how how would you say uni and well, we talked about leadership, but how would you say your experience overall of the university has been different from school? Um, and if you were a first year scholar, um, what what do you wish you knew? And Anisha, I might start with you because you're you're currently teaching. I'm still still in school. <laughs> <laughs>
6: yeah. So I mean, I, I thought about this, and I think I offer. This advice to a lot of my year 12 students who, who are going into university in that it's a kind of a double-edged sword to the extent that university offers you an enormous amount of autonomy and independence and freedom to pursue what you want to pursue and that's really powerful but at the same time if you don't kind of structure your structured things that you want to achieve or goals that you have or at least kind of being self-aware about that it can lead can be quite directionless um, and i felt that a lot in my first year first and second year of university where i wasn't actually sure what I was seeking or aiming for. and I think a big part of that is because when you're at high school, that goal has been set for you, right? Like it's the the number that you leave high school with is kind of the goal that a lot of us in this room necessarily feel pressured to aim for. When you go to university, that goal disappears and you set your own goal, and that's a really powerful thing, but it's also quite a scary thing. Um, So I I mean, I would encourage you to just think about what you want to do or achieve, and doesn't have to be a profession or a career or a job, I think we're more than that as people, Um, and I think being quite mindful of that, you don't have to decide, I think that's a big burden to put on you, and I don't think any of us have necessarily decided that either, but I think it helps you give a bit of direction in terms of where you want to go and what principles are going to guide you on that journey.
4: I'll, I'll jump in here as well. Um, so, apart from being a counsellor, I also teach um, first year marketing here at UWA, so I kind of, I get a lot of the students that have come straight from high school and now are in university, and the kind of differences I see and I see how my students are adjusting is, I think at, at uni, you have to be a lot more proactive in what you do, whether that is seeking out support, if you're struggling, if there's something, you know, if you don't understand something in your course or you're not sure this is the right thing for you um, just being more proactive in seeking that support but also proactive um, in seeking opportunities as well because I think in school you kind of you, you you're there and then the opportunities are presented to you a lot of the time and you know being high achieving students you're you know you're often the first sort of in line for those sort of opportunities but at uni the opportunities I guess are, can sometimes be a lot more a, a lot less clear so it's about being proactive and seeking out those opportunities, using you know, opportunities like this to network um, and to meet new people who might be able to open new doors for you as well. So I think it's taking responsibility for your own future in a way, which you know, is, is, can be so, super daunting, but it's kind of a skill that you have to practise um, in order to get better at it as well.
0: I actually just have a follow-up question to that, because Anish you mentioned um, like pressure and you were talking about it being daunting. Do you feel or did you feel the same sort of pressures that you did in school at uni? Were they different because of the unique challenges? Did you feel like more or less pressured and how, how did you navigate that?
2: I I might jump in here actually. So I felt quite a bit of pressure during high school mm. and to do well and to achieve. But I think for me, university was magnified in a lot of ways as well. So I think, coming from the high school environment and doing relatively well, I felt a certain expectation that at high school, at, that at university, I needed to do the same thing. And I think it's something I've discussed with the group before. Um, about two years ago, I had quite a major health scare and that really put everything in perspective for me. So after going through that, I really had to go back to basics and think, what am I actually passionate about? What do I actually enjoy doing? and to really strip everything back to that. So my advice would be at university, get excited and take things on, but also be aware of your own health and the own your own limitations as well. And that you're, no one is a superhuman. There's only certain things that you're capable of doing. So really prioritize what makes you tick and what is exciting and interesting to you. Otherwise you might be in a situation where burnout can kick in and it's not the funnest situation to be in. So I would really recommend go with what makes you passionate and one of my favorite quotes is no is a complete sentence so you're allowed to say no to things Else. it's from craft, of course
4: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh yeah no that's actually it's a topic that's i think of utmost relevance today and i'm i think it's wonderful that it's garnering a lot more discourse but i, I would love to hear from all of you on this actually so what what advice would you then have for first year scholars about um setting priorities and kind of balancing self-care it does exist (laughs) self-care study that sort of thing. I think following from what Tom said there was
5: a real kind of culture when we Tom um, Simon and I started uni at the same time to just like take any opportunity that comes your way say yes you don't know what what it will lead to but I think it's really important to have a kind of general idea of what you want like your goals your short and long-term goals. I always knew I wanted to work in public health or global health and women's health, something like that. Um, I knew I liked finance and economics as well. Um, so any opportunity that came up, I kind of made sure it fit into a general idea of something that I, where I was headed or somewhere, and something I was interested in. There were times when I over myself and I just, I just couldn't really add any value to anything I was doing and I wasn't enjoying myself. So um, the biggest kind of tip I'd say is just be able to say no, work out what, like make yourself a kind of general roadmap of where you wanna go and what will help you get there, what skills do you need, what people do you need to be around to get you there. Um, And remember that you're in uni, you have a whole life ahead of you where you'll be working and juggling multiple things and being burnt out. So this is your time to really actually just enjoy yourself, only do things that you're gaining value from and you can add to.
6: I think just jumping on that gaining value from, like, you kind of want to be, um, and I think the difficult thing is actually knowing the, what you want to do and why you want to do it. And I think when you experiment with different things and try different organisations or activities, just really being quite reflective about your experiences through that. Like, what do I enjoy about this? What do I not enjoy about this? And that kind of will help you get a clearer understanding of what you're passionate about and why you're passionate about it. Because I think you, as, as particularly as first year scholars, you're very sought after, you get pulled in very many different directions by a lot of people Um, and it's yeah I think a matter of being able to say no to things but also balancing that with trying different things and just working out what you really enjoy and value um, and what you don't find as as invigorating or as um, energizing
5: yeah I think it's important to know, like your worth is not how many societies you're <laughs> part of and how full your extracurriculars are that's, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not going to make a difference
1: in the long yeah. term I, I would add know your warning signs are the things that you love doing and if you start to not enjoy those mm-hmm. and not do them that's like a okay what so for me yeah. hockey on the weekend love it and if I get to a weekend and I'm too exhausted to go then I'm like okay Simon what needs to change here or playing the switch after work or watching Real Housewives or something like that, if I find myself not doing those things, then I need to go, okay, who do you need to call here? Do you need to? So figure out what those little low bar triggers are before it gets too late to make a real difference to your well-being.
3: Um, I I would uh, give the wrong answer and sort of follow with what you should say. I felt in the first years, Definitely overcommit yourself. You need to <laughs> do way too much stuff there, so that you really understand and know what you enjoy doing. Um, so the sort of general path I had through university, which worked out okay. Um, the first semester, I sort of just focused on my units because I wanted to understand what is this university thing. I didn't worry too much about being part of all the right committees and being on the right leadership panels. It was just, what is this university? Can I get a group of friends? <laughs> then it was, um, okay, now I have this sort of foundation, I've got a safety net behind me, now let's overcommit to everything, and it will give you the skills to, that you can then apply to future things. So, for example, I was into debating, I did photography stuff, and I brought all these, tons other clubs as well, I think uh, TEDx was really fun, a um, bit of the Motorsports. Anyway, I brought all these things that I did from all these other clubs, and then when I wanted to create my own club, that was what I just focused on. So, I had all these skills I'd grabbed from all these other areas. Put it into the one thing that i actually cared about and i wouldn't have been able to do that if it wasn't for overcoming the beginning to know what i really wanted to do and had the skills to back it up so, yeah. and
4: I, I think just to add to that if you're if you go um you know when you are in or all of undergrad really when you're trying new things and you're taking on these opportunities i think bringing it back to the self-care message um, and tying that in with the kind of the leadership <laughs> message as well i think as leaders if we want to be the best leaders for our communities um, we have to ensure that we're investing in ourselves um, and that we're taking that time to recharge um, whatever that looks like for you so for me I'm you know I, I can't do all-nighters I can't I, I need my sleep I need like eight to nine to ten <laughs> hours sometimes <laughs> yeah. of sleep and that's for me that that's what self-care looks like it's making sure that I can get that sleep or that you know I'm an introvert so my my battery recharges by myself so sometimes you know I need to put aside time to ensure that I'm recharging so that I can come to the table and you know at council when we're making decisions and having tough conversations that I can be the best leader that I can be and I can only do that um, if I'm you know if I have energy and if my cup is full so I think that's really important.
0: It kind of it reminds me of something that you were all mentioning before and I think Anisha you were talking about this as well kind of we feel, we, we can talk about self-care and we can talk about not overcommitting and that sort of thing, but it always happens. It always does. Mm-hmm. And you have to be really careful about sorting out your priorities and making sure you don't get to a point where you just decompensate. But um, an- another thing I really wanted to bring up is because it, it's really common for us to just try and try everything as possible, a- as much as possible, just say yes to everything. And I think an issue were mentioning this idea of there is no mold of a Fogarty scholar or a Winthrop scholar would you like to explain it more? You, you explained it a lot better than I did. <laughs> <laughs> um,
6: I think yeah to the extent that you kind of come in and there's this um, this image of what you think you need to, to be I think that comes across a lot um, when you're at university about what success is and I think redefining that on your own terms is a really powerful thing for you to do and I, I really value the, the Fogarty Foundation for kind of introducing us to a whole range of different people who've gone through different pathways um, to be quite successful in their own way um, as a really powerful motivating tool for yourself. Um, But I think to some extent, you might not see role models for yourself and you might not see someone 20, 30 years down the track as where you want to be. And I think that's also perfectly fine because you can then be a role model for other people. I remember like when I went through the program, there was no one who actually went through the Fogarty program and ended up in teaching. I think that's a, quite a, I don't know, I, just, I feel like that's quite a, a big stigma in society of high-achieving people going to teaching. Um, so I think that creating your, like, your own path and forging your own path can be quite a powerful tool.
2: You'd be surprised where mentors are going to come from as well mm. in that my clear idea was that I wanted to be a lawyer, so I was looking for mentors in that space because that's where I wanted to end up. But because of the Fogarty Foundation, a mentor that's been fantastic to me, someone who's out in a completely different industry. So I would say be open to the events where you go along and meet uh, people who are there to speak with you because I had a really incredible experience where I went to one of those events struck up a conversation with the speaker and now I regularly have coffee, well, not regularly, every now and then have coffee with her because she's quite busy and she's from a completely different industry. So she's been an amazing mentor to me and has nothing to do with the legal sector.
1: I'd I'd add to that, yeah, having my mentor, her name's Tammy, and she comes, also another industry and external, she provides tough love and, like, (laughs) she tells me the things that I don't want to hear and the things that I don't want to know, as opposed to telling me the things that I do want to know, um, which might sound harsh, but actually um, it, it comes from a place of care and protection yeah. and I can come with the hard questions, I can come with the, the good questions. I've got these two offers, what do I pick, how do I make this choice, or I'm not enjoying this, where do I go and how do I make that work, and hi, I'm wanting to go here, do you know anyone? Asking the question, do you know anyone, is great. Yeah. It's um, People love to connect other people, and that is what a network is for. Don't be afraid to ask that question.
0: And I guess with your mentors, how did you... Because this is... I think sometimes when you're a first-year, you hear all these words like mentoring, networking, and it's a little bit... Let's demystify this a little. How did you go about finding your mentors?
2: For me, it was really organic. I didn't want to say the name of the person because I feel like <laughs> yeah. it's name-dropping, <laughs> but I will. Um, so Janet holmes the court was the, uh, the lady who has been fantastic with me. Um, it was as simple as she had a conversation with us and she was talking about her favourite books and I went up to her and said, oh, ''I love that book you mentioned.'' Then I knew she was with Wazzo and I, uh, involved with Wazzo. I said, oh, ''I played the clarinet.'' And that was the end of the discussion. Then about two weeks later, I got an email from... I think it might have even been from someone at the Fogarty Foundation saying, ''Janet has mentioned she had a conversation with a Tom Durkin <laughs> and would like him to come along to the upcoming Wazzo event.'' And there I am at the concert hall at this function having a discussion with her. And that all just came out of me going up to her and saying, I liked a book she had recommended. So it's just going to those events and being engaged. And then these amazing experiences will come out of it. Yeah,
5: and if you don't have the confidence to approach them on the day, get their email address and send them an email. Like um, people would love to hear that someone wants them to be their mentor. I've sent a cold email out multiple times and it's resulted in really good things, I think just like, you don't have to have that much confidence sending an email, if they ghost you, they ghost you. Um, <laughs> yeah. Not your face, so 2021. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just send an email and just say, look, I'd really like to catch up or I think you'd be able to help me in X, Y, Z, yeah.
3: I've been fortunate to have a few different mentors throughout my time, but the one I have at UWA is um, I found a person who was doing interesting research that I um, enjoyed and had had a similar life pathway that I wanted to go through. So research all of his like, publications he'd done found the guy's email, showed up to his office, and said, hey, please tell me how you did your life. <laughs> so it was not serendipitous, it was entirely intentional. So that is an alternate way of doing things.
4: And I think you don't need to, I think when I was um, you know, first, second year of uni, I had this idea that I needed a mentor that could answer and help me with every aspect of my life. I was looking for like <laughs> a unicorn essentially. But you, you can have, and you probably need different mentors for different areas of your life in different seasons of life as well. So don't try and look for someone that is gonna answer every single of your life's questions and inspire you in every way possible. Cause I just don't think that's realistic. I think you need to find and seek out different people for whatever situation that you're in. And you might have those longer term mentors that are kind of more, you know, like life advice people. Um, but for more specific times and, and situations, then I think it's fine to have you know, a, a more temporary mentor for that, for that situation as well. Oh, I
5: was just gonna say, look to your peer group as well. Mm-hmm. So in our mm-hmm. year group, before, before we, before we, we really relied on each other yeah. um, and it's making those interdisciplinary connections. So even though I was in med, Tom was in law, times in psych like you can make really really good networks and you can learn to talk their language and we're heading into a world that there's there's intermingling of different disciplines and that those skills that you develop by just exposing yourself to the Fogarty F- 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 network by going to the talks and just even if it's like an author speaking just their experience you can draw from and it can be very valuable in where you want to go into the future
6: yeah i think the one thing i would add is just be really mindful that you get Thrown mentors all the time. Like I remember, like when I was for Australia, I had three mentors that didn't necessarily click with with many of them. Um, going through uni, you always get mentors kind of assigned to you. And I think to that extent, like it's it's not a very kind of you can't make it a forced relationship. I think it has to be quite um, mentee driven. I think that that's the right one, right? Men, mentee, okay. yeah, mentee <laughs> um, driven in terms of people you connect with and, and reflect and reflect experiences with. Um, and I think that's really powerful but I, what Jasmine was saying I think if you if you find that vertical mentoring not as beneficial or, or motivating you can also engage in some horizontal mentoring which is like people who are going through similar things with you and understand your context and can share insights because they've gone through things quite um, in a very similar way to you and I think you can derive a lot of benefit and value from that as well. And
1: and core to the mentoring experience is vulnerability mm. um, which does not come easy to many of us and so being able to share and speak and be vulnerable with someone else, you will find is then mirrored back to you. And especially when that person is perhaps even quite senior themselves, it is the most transformative learning experience to hear about the warts and all experience of, of life and work, as opposed to the, the rosy, I've got this goal, how do I get there, where do I, you know, I'm hearing about that.
0: Actually, and Jasmine was saying this before, but I'm really grateful that like the way our cohorts work is there's a lot of peer mentoring that happens mm-hmm. and a lot of, there is vulnerability in that as well, for sure, but um, it's, it's really, it's nice to be able to learn from people who are also experiencing the same things as you mm-hmm. because you can kind of navigate and carve your paths independent of each other, but at the same time, it's a bit weird, but mm-hmm. it's, it's really unique and I'm grateful for that. I might just have to, just because of the interest of time, I'll ask if, if you guys have a final tip or a final piece of advice that you'd like to share with our first-year scholars, what would that be? And we might start from this oh, Thank this you. <laughs> <laughs> um,
6: I, I think it kind of captures what I was trying to um, say a bit earlier, but just, like, be, be yourself, and it does not matter what that looks like, but be yourself and be the best version of yourself, and I think everything else will fall into place quite neatly after that.
5: Um, I would say stay
4: optimistic and stay enthusiastic, and uh, play a social sport. <laughs> I love that. Um, I think for me, it's it's you need to be authentic in your own style of leadership and in how you want to make impact in the world. I think it's really important that you don't think there's one right way that you need to be a leader or um, you know follow a certain path or you know be a doctor or a lawyer or um, you know anything that you think is kind of. Um, pre-carved out for you. I think you need to follow, kind of what Nish said, follow your own path um, in whatever that looks like for you.
3: Yeah, key thing, find something that you don't like and then go fix it and have a good group of people who are there to help you on your way. Everything work out from there.
2: I would say look out for the signs. So if something really makes you tick or it's really interesting, you're really passionate about it, follow that. So that for me is always a great sign. If it's something that excites me, it's definitely something I need to explore further. If it's something that I think is going to excite me,
1: it's probably not going to work. Follow what actually drives you. I'd say whether you like it or not, whether you have a title or not, people will copy you and other people will copy them. So think about how you want to be copied.
0: Well, thank you all so much for your time if you will join me. Those were really beautiful sentiments and um, I'm sure we can all agree that this morning's been really invaluable being able to hear you share your experiences. Um, I know I've certainly learned a lot and to our first year scholars I hope that you've found some things that have resonated with you and that you can carry with you as you move forward.